this is Marina Guimarães for the Wiki Strat podcast series. Today we're talking about a country which was considered Africa's promise in 1999 as democracy was restored. Nigeria is now facing a difficult time because of the entrenched corruption, food inflation, rise in criminality and an over-reliance in oil. To talk about Nigeria, here is Mr. Amolulu Fagba Debo. He is a research fellow at the Durban University of Technology in South Africa. He was also the press secretary to the speaker, Ozun State House of Assembly in Nigeria from 1999 to 2003. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you, Marina. I'm delighted to have this chat with you. Thank you. So, I have a few questions for you. Nigeria has been facing several issues. One of them is a discussion going on about the freedom of expression. President Buhari banned Twitter from the country after the social media delighted one of his tweets threatening to react with violence against the separatist group. Buhari claimed that Twitter was spreading fake news and was looking to destabilize the country. So, what are the risks to the future of democracy in this social media control by President Buhari? Thank you, Marina. The future of democracy in Nigeria is dicey because we have a set of leadership that's intolerant of op opposing views and opinions. And in democracy, there must be freedom of expression by individuals about their discontentment, about their display against the government. But we find it that in Nigeria, we have leaders who are intolerant, who are hostile to any views that oppose their own views. And that's exactly what you see in the, in the banning of uh, Twitter in Nigeria. So what if Twitter deleted the account of the president? The president was, that kind of statement has been causing a lot of problem now in the country. For instance, in recent time, he also referred to the Southwest, Southeastern people as a dot in a circle. That's a threat on itself. So Twitter did not do anything wrong by deleting that, that threatening message. You say that it's going to deal with them in their own language. And that is exactly what it's doing right now, because there are a lot of killings that's going on in that region now. And so when this continues, that you are unleashing terror on the op or anyone that has any op any views, express any view opposed that is opposed to your own view, then that person becomes your enemy. That is not democracy. That is autocracy. And that's exactly what we are passing, we are passing through in Nigeria. And it's unfortunate that we have leaders at most, uh, in, in, at the legislative arm of government that are supposed to, to check him who agreed, who have agreed with him on the same issue. And that is, it is more dangerous. And all these things because there is a lot of corruption that they don't want to they don't want people to, ex to expose so and this corruption has, has been the, the architect of all the insecurity that we are having we have terrorist groups who's, who have stronger ammunition than the national army we have terrorist groups that are overrunning the military base and you budgeted a huge amount of money to buy what to buy instruments and you see police running away from insurgents Now government is now negotiating with, with insurgents, with bandits. People are kidnapping for ransom. Government is paying money to, to, is paying money to, 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 to invaders, paying money to, to marauders, to release citizens that have been, that have been uh, kidnapped. 
in a country that has a government, that has a leader, that has access to weapons and the military, and yet you are paying money to, re to release your own citizens captured by invaders. That is... Mr. Buhari has admitted recently that he has failed to end insecurity in the country. So you mentioned terrorists. That's a promise he made when he was elected in 2015 in a TV address. How does insecurity affect Nigeria's foreign relations in the future? And why has Nigeria failed to defeat Boko Haram? What are, what are the risks of having terrorist groups, a fertile soil for terrorist groups right now in the country? Thank you, Marina. One, on the impact of insecurity on Nigeria's foreign relations, we discovered that insecurity would discourage foreign investment. No foreign investors will want to go and risk its resources in a country that is highly insecure. That is one thing. And it has put Nigeria on the map of the world as one of the of unstable democracy in the continent. So that alone has given the country a bad name. And unfortunately, the government is not showing any seriousness in handling the, the problem. So that's a case of its impact on Nigerian foreign policy. And then the reason why the government has been failing to attack this, at least to resolve the crisis, to me, I see it as a derivative of corruption because these insurgent groups are within Nigeria. They are not outside Nigeria. And the question is, if you have a secured border, how will these insurgents, how do they have access to arms? Because they don't procure arms in Nigeria. And recently we discovered that even the members of the Nigerian army, they are the ones selling arms of the government, of, of, of the Nigerian army, to the insurgents. And we've said this several times in terms of research that because the agents of the of these insurgents are also in, within the government. So that's why government have been saying it all the time that okay, they know the, those who are backing the, the, the insurgents. Now they've never come out with a name of an individual or group of individuals that are supporting that insurgent groups. We discover that the government itself has elements of Boko Haram among its leaders. The military has element of Boko Haram within its ranks. So when you have modes within your government, you'll be able to defeat the insurgents because they have access to information, they have access to your movement, they have access to everything. This particular issue is happened, constitutes one of the major reasons why he won that election. Because it was a critic of the previous government in handling that crisis. And even at that, it was even trying to challenge the, gov the previous government, that the government was dealing with insurgents in, in, in a, in a, in a, with high-handed. So, and that is why some of and you remember that even in, at that time, before he became the president, the insurgent had named him as the, negoci as the person, as the negotiator with the government. So at that time, people were thinking that, okay, well, by the time he, he became the president, he will be able to resolve the, the crisis. But it, it, the crisis has festered the more it has extended to kidnapping. The problem has to do with the capacity, the political will of Mr. Buari himself to deal with this issue. Uh, because we say that there seems to be a romance between the government and some leaders of, of Boko Haram. Because when you arrest them, 
and then you are rehabilitating them back into the society. And they came back to become deadlier. Why must you, why must you be treating insurgents with kid gloves? So that is the problem. The lack of political will. The president lacks that political will to deal with it. You talked about investments, how the international community sees Nigeria from the outside. So let's talk a little bit about the economy. Nigeria presents Africa's highest GDP. In this scenario, Noi polls estimate that 39.6 million Nigerians use Twitter and 20% of them for business advertisement and 18% to look for employment. So how does banning Twitter affect Nigeria's economy? Does it present any threats to the future business environment right now? Uh, well, recently, <laughs> I hear that Nigeria was losing almost 12 billion naira daily for, the, for banning of Twitter. One thing is that a majority of Nigerian youth are underemployed. Most of them depend on this digital platform for their income. So by banning it, it means that you have sent millions of Nigerians to the job market. You are, you are creating more problems, you are creating more crisis, you are creating more economic price because the economy base of those people has been affected. And if it affects their economic base, it means it's going to affect the general economy of Nigeria itself. In this digital age, many people depend on Twitter for their business inter- uh, transactions. And so because of that, it has affected their interactions it, it also has its consequence on national economy. Because now that people will not have access to their business again, the, the level of income will drop, the level of their investment will drop, the level of foreign investment will drop because most of them, they are dealing with people in the international system. So by cutting them off, it means you are, you are shutting the door against the national economy. So it has its effects on it. One, individual business people who rely on, on Twitter for their growth have been sent out. They, they don't have been blocked for them. At the same time, the national economy that, that benefits more from it also, the door has been shut. So it, it has its effect on as well as the corporate economy of, of Nigeria. So. We know that Nigeria's GDP is 9% dependent on oil. So yeah. how is the country trying to diversify its economy? Is Nigeria trying to diversify its incomes and its economy right now? Well, I have, uh, it, it, that has been, diversification of the economy has been a rhetoric for years. Nigeria is a mono-economy. A, it has depend on mono-economy. Now, and the, unfortunately, corruption has even destroyed that same economy. Most of them, we don't even know how many the, the, the volume of oil that Nigeria extracts every day. There's no, there's no accurate record, simply because of corruption. So the, the dependence on oil has stifled any investment, most of the investment in agriculture. Government is investing in agriculture, is saying they are investing in agriculture, in agriculture but they, they are, we don't have sufficient commitment to that sector. Because the focus of the government is more on oil. Before the advent of oil, agriculture was the mainstay of the Nigerian economy. But now, that's in abandon. Even though 
they, they claim that they are investing money in agriculture, but we are yet to see the extent of the, the impact of that investment in terms of output. So that has been the problem. Well, there are so many interesting things to explore when we talk about Nigeria. Unfortunately, our time is um, almost over. So I need to close with one last question. Um, okay. We talked about civil unrest, freedom of expression and the economy. And in this context, the last question would be, what can we expect from Nigeria in 2021 slash 2022? I don't want to sound pessimistic, but from, from the body language of the president and his interview in recent time, I don't envisage any major change in terms of peace other than increased violence. I see more violence because when you push people to the wall, people will fight, people will react. That's exactly what happened in October last year when people, when there was a spontaneous action against police brutality. And I think because prices of commodities are, are soaring, insecurity is, is rising, and we have infrastructural decays, no good roads, no electricity. These are problems that constitute challenge to people. They cannot, if they want to move out to, to do business, but the roads are insecure. They are not sure if they will be kidnapped on the road. The roads are bad, no electricity. The prices, price of food and commodities are rising on daily basis. So, and their the, the economy is being stifled on daily basis. Yeah, there, there, are, there are policies of government that, that are against the people. The crisis of governance is high every day. And so at, when it will get to a point that the majority will constitute themselves as a major resistance to government. And that is what we've been seeing that pocket of that elsewhere. So that we see a pent up anger everywhere. See, just a little bit of a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of Anger would degenerate into a kind of a general, a, a general crisis. So I don't envisage any major changes, in time, positive changes in recent time, in the, maybe in the time to come. Now that election is coming again in some states in 2022, and people are prepared for 2023, the, the, the major characteristics of electionary in Nigeria is crisis. Now it is they are building up with it. So I don't envisage. A, a, a peaceful or a kind of a, a, a more stable system between now and 2022. I don't. I, I, I rather I see more among the political class, and then among the political class in one, on the one between the political class and the, and, and citizens, people will continue to protest. I think that will continue. And do you think that the 2022 elections are gonna be a positive result for Buhari? Within the party itself, the party itself is not stable as to who is going to contest in 2023. Even in the at, in, at the state where there's a bit, to be election next year, there are crises. So that the, 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 the intra-party crisis will just will be an added factor to the insecurity that may likely engulf Nigeria between now and 2023, because the crisis is imminent. Crisis imminent. There is no peace. In, in, the, in the political parties, within the, the, the political party themselves, so there are no peace. So they are finding, because the interest now is who becomes the president in 2023. 
and there, been, there are forces that are fighting for that. That is, that is, that's why it's so dicey. Security problem in Nigeria is dicey, especially when election is drawing closer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your contribution to our podcast. Thank you, Marina. And you. so stay tuned for our next episode. Um, this is Marina Guimarães for Wikistrat.